You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. Bible, let me invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 4 as we come to a close in our series we've entitled Resilient. I just want to say if you're a guest today, welcome. My name is Jared, one of the pastors here, joined with uh, one of my best buds and fellow pastor, Adam Brackenridge, also known as the Pallet Jack. That's his wrestler name, which we'll talk more about that yeah, some we'll, other time. We'll get that's later in the sermon. But um, anyways, on behalf of our pastors and members, glad that you are here. Um, if you want more information about us as a church, you can go to our website, uh, crossingparagold.com. Um, if you want to learn more about us, grab a Connect card. It's like in the back pouch of your seat. Pull that out. Fill out some information about yourself. Leave it in your seat. Somebody will come and grab that later. If you're online, we'll drop a Connect link for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can click on that right now. Fill out some information about you and your family. And that's just a way of us knowing how that we can love you and serve you to the best of our ability. So, that said, Ephesians 4 is where we're going to be today. Um, and as I said, we're going to come to a close in our series that we've entitled Resilient. And the whole idea of this series that we've been in is we've been saying that as a church, more than we want to be filled, uh, we want to fill a room with just a bunch of uh, cultural Christians, we want to have a church that is filled with resilient disciples. And what we mean by that is, yeah. is men and women who not only can survive, but thrive in the midst of this crazy world that we are living in. And so what we have said, and I think we can put this on the screen for you, maybe, is um, to be a resilient disciple is really to run after seven things you see it on the screen. It's one, to be someone who practices the way of Jesus. Um, that is that you don't just give Jesus your Sunday, you give him your every day. You reorient all of your life around three goals. Goal number one is to be with Jesus. Goal number two is to become like Jesus. And goal number three is actually to do what Jesus did. Uh, secondly, to be a resilient disciple is to be rooted in scriptures. Third, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fourth, given to compassionate mission. Fifth, committed to radical generosity. Sixth, dedicated to abundant simplicity. And seven, is to share life with a loving family. And so if you want more information about that, go back and listen to our resilient sermon series. What we have said is that really to run after these things, we need to realize this as a church, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, This is not going to be something that is easy. It's not going to be something that's popular. In the words of Jesus, this is to go after the narrow path, and so it requires sacrifice. It requires some hardship. It might require at times you don't sit at the cool kid table, Um, but at the end of the day, that's my battery pack. I'm just going to sure, leave sure. that here. Okay. At the end of the day, if we run after these things, Jesus' promise is that we will experience life and life to the fullest. And so um, today, as we come to an end in our series, we're doing something that's going to be a little bit different. If this is your first time with us today, we don't typically do this. Um, so it's going to feel a little bit different than maybe a typical Sunday. But our goal is, as we're tag teaching today, is to kind of tie a bow on this resilient series and... Um, hopefully uh, clearly articulate some changes that we feel we need to make in our church as we move forward together. So. Yeah, very good. So in light of that, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We can put it back on the screen if that'd be okay. And uh, we're going to start in verse 11, and uh, we'll go to verse 13. So follow along with us, and here's the word of the Lord. Paul says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave, this is really important, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, so all the leaders of the church, to equip his people for works of what? Service. Yeah, ministry. That's where we're going. So that the body of Christ may be built up uh, until we all reach unity in, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, okay, there's a whole lot in there that we could spend like days and weeks unpacking, but for our purposes and for the sake of time, there are really just two big things that we want you to see in this passage, two big takeaways. So first off, two big things. First off, if you're taking notes, is this. Paul wants us to see uh, in this passage that every disciple of Jesus is a minister of Jesus, okay? So if you're a disciple, you're a minister, And to make that point, he paints a picture of a human body, and he says, like, in order for a human body to function and flourish as it's designed, 
Um, every part has a work to do, right? Think about your own human body. Your hands have a work to do. Your feet have a work to do. Your eyes. Every part has a work to do in order to make the whole thing function as it should. And Paul's point in this is simply that the same is true in the body of Jesus. Every member of the body, every uh, member of the church has a work to do in order for the whole body to flourish. And the work that we're called to do, Paul says, is the work of ministry. So let's, let's go back to verse 12. If you have your Bible, you can look at it, or here it is on the screen. If you look at verse 12 again, notice, Paul says the reason, this is huge, the reason God has given pastors to the church is to equip every member of the body for works of service. And I would, um, I would underline that word, service, um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a massive word. It's the same word we see used throughout the New Testament that gets translated ministry, which is why we actually prefer, I, I love the ESV translation of Ephesians 4.12. We can put it on the screen. ESV says, God gave pastors to the church to equip the saints for w- the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And what we're getting at here is a, is a massive radical shift we have to make and we have to keep making in our church. Um, especially in our culture. We live in a culture where uh, consumerism has made its way into the American church. And so the classic kind of ministry model, discipleship model that you see in the American church is um, that we leave ministry to the paid professionals. And so it's this kind of this idea that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this is true of any of you, but having been in pastoral ministry for 17 years and, and just being a person myself, there's this mindset in the American church of, I don't really need to teach my kids the Bible because that's what we pay youth pastors to do, right? <laughs> so um, I don't, you know, I don't really have to counsel somebody in my missional community because that's what we have. That's what we have pastors for, right? It's not my job to do that. That's why we have pastors. And so it's this idea that maybe, like, maybe if I'm just a church member, I'm not really qualified to do ministry, and so I need to leave that to the pros. And what you, yeah, wrong. Thank you, Randy. So what you, if you want to come up here, there's plenty of microphones. Not that you need a mic. We can all hear you just Lou's fine. saying, do not bring Randy up here. <laughs> and Randy's right. That's wrong. So here, here's, what, here's what you just saw in Ephesians 4. You know what Paul does with that model? He lobs a grenade on the table and blows that model to, to smithereens. Like that, that model will actually never work. And, and Paul says, because every disciple is a minister, it's actually not the pastor's job to do all of the work of ministry but to equip God's people to do the work of ministry. So to put ministry into the hands of God's people and then give them the tools they need to do the work that God's called them to do and then get out of their way and let them live out their calling as a a minister of the gospel. That's that's the point of this passage. And by the way, we, we both agree on this, that pastors need to hear this word just as much as the rest of God's people need to hear this word because there are a lot of pastors who like the American church model. Where, um, where they get to do everything for the church because it feeds their ego, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look at everything I do for this church. This church could never survive without me. Um, it scratches their need to be needed. Like, it, it scratches at their codependence with the church. And so Paul blows all that up for us. And he says, look, the, the problem with that whole model is that, first of all, if you're a pastor, it leads to burnout. And, um, and, and like, you're going to resent the church or your family, your kids are going to hate the church. Like, it's a, it's a disastrous thing for pastors to embrace that model, no matter how much they love it. And it's, the, it's a disaster to the body of Jesus because it literally paralyzes the body of Christ in the sense that each part is paralyzed, in the sense that each part is actually not working, like to carry the full weight of the ministry. And it's a pastor's job to equip us to do that together. So that's the first big shift that we see, we could do like a whole sermon series on what I just said. That's the first big shift we see in this passage, okay? We have to see every disciple of Jesus is a minister of Jesus. Second big shift, if you're taking notes, is, is this. The goal of equipping you for ministry is so that together we can help one another grow up and mature in Christ. So look, look again at the second half of verse 12, uh, if we can put it on the screen, and here's what Paul says. Again, God has given pastors to equip the people, to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that, I would underline so that because here's the goal of this whole thing, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, no man left behind, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and all of us become mature, mm-hmm. attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So here's the point, okay, here's the point. It's our job and it's our ministry together 
to help one another grow up into Christ and mature. And the reason why that's our job, by the way, is because um, perpetual immaturity is not an option if you're a disciple of Jesus. Right? So if you're a parent, you have this longing, even though it's kind of sad to see your kids grow up, you have a longing to see your kids grow up, right? You have an expectation to see your kids grow up. Yes, you do, Randy. You want to get them out of your basement. So here's the thing. You, you, want, you, know, you want your kids to grow up and flourish and like be able to take care of themselves and take care of others because the alternative to that is disastrous. If you've got an adult child that's codependent with you and, and can't take care of themselves, we call that Peter Pan syndrome. Like they're chronologically and, and physically an adult, but they refuse to accept adult responsibilities. That's disastrous. And the reason we don't want that for our kids is because it robs us of life. Hello, get out of my house. And it robs the kid of experiencing life. Okay? So, like, to not grow up is dangerous and disastrous. That's what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4. So, all that to say, let me lay, let me lay in this plane. Because God the Father is a really good parent, better than we are, He has the same expectation for His kids. He has an expectation and a desire and a longing to see us grow up and to mature in Christ. And... And it's our job to help one another do that. And it's our deepest desire to create a culture in our church where that's happening. Mm. Like where every member is equipped. Like that's our, that's our thing. Our thing as pastors is we're not just trying to build a big church. Mm-hmm. Our, our calling from God is that we are trying to give you all and give all of us, we're part of that, give all of us the tools that we need to build one another up so that the whole body grows and matures and flourishes, and Jesus gets all the glory, right? Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, I need some volunteers in order to really drive this point home. And so, um, Olivia, I didn't ask you before. Would you come up here for a second? Uh, Corbett, Hannah, Maddie, Landon. Would you all come up? Would you mind? Uh, give them a hand. Fast. Let's move our chairs back. Yeah, You're not going to have to talk. You will not have to talk, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I've got some uh, tools back here. Um, and I'm going to grab these. You guys just kind of line up nice and neat, you know, where the camera can see you because we want everybody at home to be able to, to see your faces. And so, um, so here, here's kind of the picture, okay? Excuse me, Olivia. Um, in light of what Adam just shared in Ephesians 4, a lot of times we think when it comes to ministry, if you think of ministry like building a house... We say, like, it's the job of the pastor to just do the work, right? So, like, you're, you're kind of you're holding on to your stuff, trying not to break your mic and all of that, right? And, and that's just what we pay ministers to do, right? But if you notice, according to Ephesians 4, this is a more appropriate picture. So uh, you hold that level. Um, Hannah, you can hold that thing. So, so you. Okay. Uh, this, and that's a... Uh, hammer. So, um, <laughs> I know the name of it. And so, as they're looking, right, they all have different instruments, all have different tools, but here's what I want you to rush. From Ephesians 4, this is the image. Yeah. My job, or our job as leaders, as pastors, is not to hold all the tools and do all of the work, build in the house, but actually it's to distribute the tools. Does that make sense? Equip you with what you need in order to build up the house. And what Adam was just saying, more importantly what Paul is saying, is that whenever we do this well, what happens is then we're able to minister to one another, which builds up resilient disciples of Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, uh, thank you guys. Very good. Y'all are done. So, yeah, give them a round of applause. No, don't keep those. I need that. Next service. Thank you guys very much. Adam, will you uh, yeah, put sure. those back? Yeah. Thank you very much. Maddie, thank you. Yeah. So, and so, uh, very good. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah. So, here's, here's the image, okay? As we move forward as pastors, we want to do the best we can to equip you to do ministry so that you can build one another up into resilient disciples. And there are four areas that we really want to focus on equipping. And I think we can put this on the screen for you. We kind of have these little concentric circles um, on there, maybe. Hey, there it is. All right, fantastic. So four areas that as pastors we really want to focus on equipping you moving forward. One of them is, you see the kind of there at the center, is the self. And what we were just saying there is we have to make sure that if we're going to get anything else right, that we are equipping you to be able to lead yourself. Yes. Does that make sense? You yes. cannot give what you do not have. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And so we want to make sure that we teach you how to take personal responsibility for your own growth. Next, um, we're going to focus really heavily on the home. And so one of the words that God's really spoken to me in this season is this reality of we will never have a church marked by forgiveness and grace and mercy if our homes aren't marked by forgiveness and grace and mercy. We're not going to handle conflict well with one another if we don't handle conflict well in our own homes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we're not going to make disciples out there if we're not even discipling our own children. Does that make sense? Uh, we're not going to be a church known for being a, a spirit-filled, you know, uh, a praying church if our homes are not marked by prayer. And, and so what we are going to do is um, we are really going to work in this next season more than ever on equipping moms and dads, husbands and wives, kids, to really try to establish these healthy rhythms that create a healthy Christ-centered culture that we can then multiply outside of even our homes. that makes sense? Um, beyond that is work. You spend most of your waking hours at work, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're in the medical field, or you're a teacher, or a trainer, or you work in a factory. Most of your hours are in a job setting, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you read the scriptures, what you need to realize is work is not bad. Work was given to us before sin ever entered into the world. God has a very sacred view of work. It's a, it plays a big role in his big and beautiful plan of redemption and restoration. Most of us don't understand how that is, and we really want to work to try to equip you. Now, one of the things that, that we've realized as pastors is a lot of times, and you guys have probably felt this as pastors, we equip you for our world. Does that make sense? We, we, we equip you for the church world. Mm-hmm. Here's these events, here's these programs, here's all this stuff we're doing. If you want to be a really good Christian, you come and join all this stuff that we're doing as the Crossing Church, right? Rather than equipping you for our will, we need to equip you for your world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your world is there in a workplace environment. Mm-hmm. And when this is done well, we reach way more people who are far from God. Yeah. And, and just to kind of brag real fast on, on some members of our church, I was playing tennis on Friday with Shay Allstead, and after Shay left, I was talking with the assistant uh, tennis coach at Paragold High School. And he didn't know I was a pastor. But we got talking, and I said, hey, you, you, uh, you coach with Logan Keener, right? Logan was just up here on electric guitar. Logan's the head tennis coach. Way to go, Logan. Never played high school tennis, but he's the head tennis coach at Paragold High School. <laughs> and so that's how we do it. So uh, your team looked pretty good, by the way, on Friday as you were out driving the bus, and they were there hitting without you. Good leadership, man. And so equipping them for the work of tennis. The work of tennis. Yeah. And so um, anyways... So I'm talking with the assistant coach, and he says, I was listening about Logan, and he says, oh, man, he is a fine Christian man. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, he's a, he's a good dude. And he's like, and his wife's even better than he is. He's like, I tell him that all the time. His wife's the best thing he's got going for him. He's like, I love Logan. I love Bethany. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, they're really they're good folks. And uh, I said, you know, at that point, because he was talking good about them, I was like proud pastor. Mom. I'm like, well, you know, I'm actually... I'm a part of the same church they are. I'm a pastor there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was like, oh, where are you at? And I told him, and he said, oh, Tim Parrott's in your church too, right? Tim Parrott is in our church. I was like, yeah, he's the uh, assistant principal um, at the high school. And he said, man, he is my favorite administrator of all time, of all the years I've been in, in school. And we got talking more. And he said, you know, I just told my wife last week, I don't know anything about that church, but I said, whatever church they're a part of, we need to be a part of that church. Because if that's the kind of people that are part of that church, then we just need to get close to whatever they're close to because what they're doing is incredible. Now, he's never even seen anything happen here. He's never heard me preach. He's never heard the band play. He doesn't know anything about our kids' ministry. And how incredible is that by how someone works Mm -hmm. as a disciple of Jesus has an even greater impact, I think, than anything that we could ever do here on a stage. So we're going to spend a lot of time around that work piece, equipping you to be a good employee, a good boss, whatever it is you're doing. Lastly is the city piece. Here's the idea here. Um, Jesus loves to go after sufferers and sinners. He loves it. Um, he is constantly in the Gospels running after the last, the least, and the loss of society. And so as a church, more than ever, we want to make sure we're doing this well, that we're identifying the biggest needs in our city and that we're seeking to take the good news there. Crossing church, the Crossing Church should be a church that lives mm-hmm. in such a way that if we cease to exist tomorrow, the city would miss us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The, city, it, it, the city would suffer as a result of us not being here. And so we want to make sure that we're living in such a way and we're equipping in this area that we are doing that well. Now, um, let's go to the next slide. Next slide. Okay, you've seen this before, but here's what I want you to know, okay, as you look at this on the screen. If the dream that we're just talking about is going to become a reality, we have a work to do as pastors. You have a work to do, and the Holy Spirit has a work to do. And so if you think about this like a meal, okay, um, as pastors, our job is to prepare the meal and set the table. 
Your job is to actually take it and eat it, to digest it. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to make sure that whenever it goes inside of you, that actually everything that needs to work, works so that you can be nourished and grow. Does that make sense? And so as pastors, and by the way, we've taught on this so many times. You can go to our website and find information on this paradigm. But for our purposes today, here's what I want you to know. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount. It also, also comes from the world of psychology. So it's backed up by scripture, backed up by psychology of how people change. And for our purposes today, here's what I want you to know. As pastors, if we are going to equip you to become, uh, to have the tools you need to build one another up, to become resilient disciples, we need to make sure that we have three things in place. That we have uh, good, solid biblical teaching. We want to make sure that we are showing you how to actually practice the way of Jesus. And we also need to make sure that we have an environment that supports healthy community. And I could talk a whole lot about all of these things, but for our time today, what I want you to know is if we're going to build resilient disciples, we're going to actually have to make some changes to how we have historically ran after community. And and I want to spend most of our time talking about that. Before we do, would you just real fast share about the workshops under the teaching piece? Because here's the thing, Sunday mornings, they're important, but this is not enough. So we do want to provide some other teaching outside of this, yeah. and, and Adam yeah. will share a little bit about that. So. Yeah, just real quick. So in addition to the teaching that we, uh, we receive on Sundays, we're launching several new courses and workshops that are going to kind of run and cycle um, year, year long in our church uh, from one year to the next. And so, in fact, we've already built a, a schedule that runs all the way to the end of 2021. So you can see this on the screen here. Here's what we have on the schedule so far. We're currently running... The marriage course right now, which will, is, is seven weeks, it'll end in October. I know many of you are in that course right now, and the, the feedback we're getting is this is a phenomenal tool and resource, like this is transformational for my marriage. Um, in November, we're going to kick off our How to Read the Bible course and the prayer course. I know many of you took the prayer course back in the spring when we, when we ran it, back in quarantine season. Um, and so those courses are going to be self-paced, available all year long, and you can move through those at your own pace. Um, in January, we'll kick off the new year with the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. It's eight weeks long. Uh, phenomenal course. And then in March, we'll run the parenting course. Hello, that's going to be helpful if you're a parent. Uh, <laughs> it's the same people who, who created the marriage course. So the content and the quality is just, it's just top shelf stuff. Um, uh, in May, we'll kick off the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, which is the sequel to Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And then in August, we'll run the Parenting Teenager course which is uh, fantastic. Also, the same people who made the parenting course and the marriage course. It's five weeks long. We'll do that next August. And then in September, a year from right now, we'll be back where we are right now. We'll run the marriage course again, and then we'll start the cycle all over again. And our plan is just to cycle through those, probably you know, changing it up here and there, adding some new courses and workshops here and there as we go. Um, but these are, these are just good resources that don't take the place of the teaching that you get here, but there's spaces that we want to create to, to supplement that and to give you more mm-hmm. opportunities to be equipped and grow. So we really want to encourage you, as you're able, I know that can seem overwhelming, of, i got to take all of those. Um, deep breath, and just as you're able, you know, pick and choose one or two of those a year. Take all of them if you want, uh, but just move through those as, as you're able to. We want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Excellent. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the community piece. Um, yes. As you said last week, there is no such thing as solo discipleship. You can go back and listen to that sermon uh, later if you want. Um, Sunday morning is not enough. It's very important, but not enough. You need to have a healthy community that you are connected to throughout the week, especially in the hard stuff of life. And, And here's the thing. If you have been with us, you know that from the beginning of our church's inception, we have always said that we are primarily organized around missional communities. And here's what we mean by that. Discipleship, please hear me, okay? Discipleship happens in the context of life on life, life in community, and life on mission. Where do you get that from? The life of Jesus. Made disciples. Life on life, life in community, and life on mission. What we have said, historically, is that the primary context for where that happens is in the context of a missional community. And we absolutely still believe that that is true. But moving forward, if we're going to really get after this well... We've identified some changes that need to be made to how our missional communities are structured. And just for the record, uh, you have also realized the need for change. Um, Every year, we do what's called a SWOT analysis in our church. Mm -hmm. Many of you have participated in it, where we will send out a survey in June, and you as a church will identify what you think our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are. And over the last two years, 
the main themes that have popped up under weakness have been something that has been connected to missional communities. And so, for example, some of you have said that our missional communities are no longer all on mission together. Maybe a handful of people are, but the majority are not. Uh, some of you have said that our leaders have not been equipped to, been do, to do everything you're asking them to do. We have heard people are falling through the cracks. We have heard that some are not being held accountable. Uh, some are not being cared for and uh, equipped. And so the older we get and the bigger that we have gotten, we've realized that all of our MCs, and I'm including mine in that as an MC leader, have all seemed to struggle more and more the older that we get. And I think there's two reasons for why that's happened, Okay. The first reason I really believe our MCs have begun to struggle is because our missional communities have gotten too big. Before COVID-19, we had 440 people in 12 missional communities. Just to let you know, just to let you know how bizarre that is, I'm going to speak at a missional community conference in October in Albany, Georgia. The church I'm going to speak at has 200 people in 18 missional communities. So they have not even half as many people as we do and almost double the amount of missional communities. Um, I was talking with Jeff Vandersilt a few weeks ago. Some of you know the name, you know Jeff. He's the missional community guy, not just in North America, but really throughout the world. He's written the books on it. Um, and I was speaking with Jeff, I guess I don't know, four or five weeks ago, whatever it was, and I told him how many people we had in missional communities before COVID, and he just laughed. And he said, dude, that's insane. He's like, how did that even happen? And what I told him was I said, you know, really the way it happened is we said, hey, come one, come all. Like, no matter what you want, missional community is for you. If you want therapy, get in a missional community. You want a Bible study, get in a missional community. You want friends in the name of Jesus, get in a missional community. You want a free meal every Sunday night, get in a missional community. You want to serve in the city, get in a missional community. And we built out just a stellar assimilation process to get people all involved in missional communities. It's been great for our numbers, and it's been great when I go speak at conferences, and I'm like, we have 440 people in missional communities. And they're like, that's amazing, right? But what we've realized is what happened is we created a hodgepodge of people who really didn't even know what a missional community was or why they were there. And so what happened is over time, we've discovered that this has compromised the culture, vision, and mission of why we even started missional communities to begin with. So MCs have struggled because they've gotten too big. Another reason they've struggled is because not only have MCs got too big, but we've asked MC leaders to do too much. Um, one of the reasons we've had such a hard time multiplying missional communities is because some of you are like, either A, I can't live up to the MC leader expectations, or B, I don't want to. I don't even want to try to do it. And so we would go to people, and we would make a pitch if we need more missional community leaders, and they would say, okay, let me get this straight. Uh, you want me as an MC leader to try to host people in my home every week. Uh, you want me to ensure that someone is overseeing child care and meal sign up, keep our MC on mission, care for the people in our missional community, follow up with those who visit our missional community, attend MC leader training every other month, hang out with people in our MC outside of the MC meal, keep membership renewal on radars, and on top of that, care for my family, work a full-time job, pay bills, and everything else. And yeah. we're like, yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah, like, so, yeah. yeah, like... Yeah, do you want to do that? Or yeah, like, you don't want to do great? that? Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, um, as a result, we've ended up with a whole lot of people and not a whole lot of missional <laughs> communities. And therefore, because that is true, because we really believe that in order for us to create resilient disciples, we have to restructure the way we're doing our missional communities. After a lot of thought and prayer, we have decided to restructure and relaunch all of our missional communities. And first, we're going to talk about restructuring. What do we mean by that? And then we'll talk real practically about how do we plan to relaunch them? Yeah, very good. So there are really just two key changes that we want to make to the structure of missional communities moving forward. And the first one is this. You know, we've always had, as Jared just said, missional community leaders in place. And now we are intentionally moving away from having missional community leaders to having missional community hosts. Okay? Here's the difference. So instead of having, you know, leaders who are responsible for this massive group of people and for doing all these things that Jared just mentioned... Instead of that, we're going to have hosts who are essentially responsible for creating a space where for their MC to meet and for setting the expectations for the group. Outside of that, if you're not a host, that language is super intentional. If you're not, it's not a leader-follower format. It's a host-co-host format. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a host, you're a co-host. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what that means is all the other responsibilities and the weight of ministry 
And there's a lot of ministry weight in the missional community because relationships are messy. Uh-huh. People, we're all broken. We all need Jesus. There's a lot of ministry weight going uh-huh. on there. Rather than all the weight of the ministry falling on one person or one married couple who's trying to lead this thing, it falls on everybody. And so this goes back to Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody in the MC is a minister. Uh-huh. You're a co-host and a minister of the gospel in that group. And so what this means is that every member of the missional community is now responsible to show up. And, and I, trust me, I'm going to need help with this. We're all going to need help with this. But everybody's now responsible to show up not as a consumer, but as a contributor to the group. Mm-hmm. With this ministry mindset that says, I'm, I'm not here just to be built up. Mm-hmm. I'm here to build. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to build something with you guys. And I want to, yes, I need you to build me up, but I'm here to build you up. Or in the words of Jesus, I didn't come into this group to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and to give my life up. Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's, this, it's just this minis- subtle ministry mindset shift. And what that means also is just to do that, every member of the missional community is now responsible to show up full in their relationship to Jesus and ready to pour out, ready to speak words of encouragement, ready to greet one another with eye contact and like, I love you, I'm happy to see you, and I'm here to encourage you and pour into you, and I, I showed up here to pray for you tonight. I, I showed up here to serve you. I showed up, I, you know, there, there, there's all kinds of little ministries of service that in every MC, like be, ho, opening your home, uh, overseeing the meal planning, facilitating the discussion, holding up the mission. Like, those things don't fall on one person or a couple anymore, but that, that falls on the entire group. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the first big shift that we're, that we're making to the structure of missional communities. We're moving from having MC leaders to having MC hosts, which implies everybody else is a co-host, everybody else is a minister, and there's shared ownership, and we're all pulling the rope of this thing together. Yeah. Secondly, um, and we're not going to be super legalistic or rigid about this, but we are really, as a second change, we're really going to try hard to cap our missional communities at 12 adults. Jesus himself had a lot of followers, but of the thousands of people that followed him, he only went deep with 12. And he really only went really deep with three. And therefore, to think that we can do much more than that um, is a pretty unrealistic goal. Mm-hmm. Jesus was a single man with no job, no kids, and no phone. <laughs> to think we're going to have the capacity to care well for more than 12 people is probably pretty overly ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, as a way of trying to go deeper, we're really going to encourage our MCs moving forward when we relaunch to do this. Start with no more than six to eight adults, and then make it your aim to multiply by 12 to, at the most, 14 adults. Now, if you get to the 12 or 14 point and you're not ready to multiply, here's what we're going to ask that you do. And this is actually something that, that churches that like ours have already been doing for years. But if you're not ready to multiply at the 12 to 14 mark, then close the registration to your MC. Focus on going deep with who you have. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? If the people you have aren't even ready to multiply out the ministry, then why would you bring in more people who you're going to have to try to get to this point to where they can multiply out the ministry? Um, if you don't like the idea of closing registration, if you're like, man, that sounds really harsh or it sounds really unloving, I just want to remind you of this. There will be other missional communities that will be open. And so you can always encourage the people to check out another missional community. I also want to remind you of one of the marks of a resilient disciple is abundant simplicity, which means embracing your limitations. Even Jesus had to say no to some people. Even Jesus had to say no to some people. Um, And and so we need to realize that, that if we are going to help more people we're going to actually have to slim things down and focus more on going deep with a smaller group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to go wider, we got to go deeper. And if we want to go deeper, you just have to go smaller. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so like Jared said, we're one of the, we're like the only church, I think, in our network who has not practiced this already of putting a cap on missional communities. So I think it's just going to be a healthy embracing of limitations. Yeah, yeah, and I think also something I failed to mention is this is not a departure from our original vision. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, like, this is a return to our original vision. And so, I actually, I think we have a picture. We have a picture of our... our first. So, that's our original core group. 
Um, we didn't actually get to celebrate this because of COVID-19, but our church just turned eight years old. And so, yeah, it's worth clapping for. Every year we typically do like this big blowout party, we didn't get to do it this year. But think about this, a little over eight years ago, we started with eight people. That's the first missional community That's the right first there. missional community right there. And the goal of this was, hey, we're going to go deep with these few. And then as we got bigger and we reached kind of in the teens, you know what we did? We multiplied out. And that wasn't easy. All right, we multiplied out Luke. Luke's in that picture. And, and Donna, we multiplied them out and they started another missional community. And we love Luke and Donna. We love the people that were in that group. They started another MC. And then as it got big, right? And the goal was always to try to keep them small again so that we can go deeper, which then allows us to reach wider. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, yeah, getting back closer to the original vision of missional communities is a good thing. Now, um, those are the big key changes that we're making to the structure of MCs, uh, moving from leader to host and then capping the size of the group. Now, uh, I want to spend just a few moments talking about how we're planning to execute this relaunch. I know a lot of you are probably thinking right now, what is this? Okay, if that's what we're doing, if that's, mm-hmm. if that's how we're changing the structure, then what does this look like practically? Like, mm-hmm. how do we actually relaunch missional communities? So let me give you a few nuts and bolts around that before we wrap up. So first, the timeline, okay? Um, we are planning to relaunch missional communities with these changes in place by November 1st. Mm-hmm. So here's what that means. Um, at the end of October, all of our current missional communities will dissolve. Now, I know that like one or two MCs are small enough. We've talked to the leaders and you've talked to your group and you want to stay as you are. That's great. But outside of that, um, our current MCs will dissolve at the end of October and then new missional communities will form by November 1st. And in light of that, we really want to encourage you um, to to spend the month of October uh, just with your current missional community making sure that you end well. Like, just, just spend, the, spend the month making sure you end well. So here you see some ideas on the screen like, man, celebrate all that God has done in your missional community. Take time to remember. The spiritual discipline of remembering, you see that over and over in the scriptures. Just remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Remember when we prayed for healing and we saw it happen. Remember when we saw that person come to faith yeah. in Christ. Like, re- pr- just take some time to celebrate and reflect on the memories that you've made with one another. Laugh. This laughing is a spiritual discipline. Uh, encourage one another. Grieve together. Like, grieve, mm-hmm. transitions are, mm-hmm. are sad and mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. So take some time to grieve together the ending of something beautiful and look forward with hope to this next season and anticipate this, this new work that God is doing mm-hmm. in our church moving forward. So take the month of October to end well. And here's a nuts and bolts for you. Take the month of October to prayer. This is for everybody to prayerfully consider whether or not you want to join a new missional community when they relaunch or host a new missional community when they Mm -hmm. relaunch. And so uh, let me just give you the practical details of how to do that. Like, how do you on-ramp? What's the new on-ramp process to get in one of these new missional communities or to host one if I want to host one? So I think we have a screenshot of our website we can maybe put up. There it is. So we've tried to make this really simple. Um, if you want, first, let me talk about if you want to join a new MC, and then we'll talk about hosting. If you want to join, you simply go to our website, as you can see on the screen. This is easy to find on our homepage. This is our MC uh, page. And you see, basically, you have two options there. You can click, I want to join, or I want to host. I want to fill out a, a request to host an MC. And so if, if you want to join, you simply click right there on the screen where it says, Join a Missional Community. It'll take, it'll take you to our new MC video series which we are asking every single person who wants to be in an MC to watch. Uh-huh. This is eight videos. Uh, it's less than an hour and a half long, so like, just cut out two shows of whatever thing you're binging on Netflix, and you can watch through these yeah, eight. The whole thing is less than an the hour The whole half, thing, right? yeah. yeah, not each episode. <laughs> the whole thing is less than an hour and a half together. And so what these eight videos do is just lay out the culture of MCs, the mission and vision of an MC, the guidelines and expectations for what it means to be in an MC, what an MC is and what it's not. And so... We want to, to make sure every new MC starts on the same page. We're asking everyone to watch through these videos um, uh, before, you, before you get in. Now, uh, by the way, all those videos are going to be available and live on our website in just a couple of days. So you can go, right, like in the month of October, you can go ahead and start watching through those now. And you don't have to watch them all in one sitting. Uh-huh. It'll yeah. s- Kind of like the marriage course, if you're doing yeah. that, it'll save your progress and you can pick up where you left off. 
So I just want to encourage you to, to jump into that immediately. That, that'll be available for you in a couple of days, and I'm sure we'll roll out a communication about that when it, when it officially comes online. Um, now, so you click Join an MC. It takes you to the MC video series. Once you watch through the MC video series and you basically agree, like, yeah, I'm all on board with that. I want to give my life to that. That's what it means to be an MC, and I'm all about that. Then you can, it'll take you to a page where you can see all of our available missional communities online as they become available. And you just find the one that you're interested in and you click request to join. And when you click request to join that MC, the MC host will follow up with you and touch base with you, I think, within 24 hours. If they don't, um, I'll probably be breathing down their neck. So but we'll make sure that, that you get, you know, if somebody gets in touch with you right away and then we get you assimilated into that group. That's the on-ramp process for how to get an MC. I realize, like, I'm moving fast. I said all that very quickly. If you're like, anxious and, and like I didn't catch all that, don't worry. We're going to communicate this a hundred different ways uh, in the coming days and weeks. Uh-huh. We'll make sure that it's very clear for you this process of how to join a new missional community. Um, and let me just say this, man. If you're, um, if you're here, like you are here. So it's not, if, you're, if you're here. Um, maybe they are. Maybe you're, maybe you're here. You're kind of here. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe they've checked out by now. If you're here physically or you're watching online, I just want to say, we want to say, like, there's never been a better time to join a mission right. community than there is right now. Definitely. Maybe, maybe you're here and, like, you, you're not in community. You never have been, and you kind of want to take that step. Or you were faithfully involved in a missional community because of COVID, though. Mm-hmm. You've kind of taken a back seat and sort of, sort of drifted away from community. Like, this is a time to jump in. Yes. We're hitting a reset. Everybody, it's grace. Everybody yeah. gets a reset yeah. and to relaunch. So you get to get in and, and start with something new and help build something like this is, this is the time to jump right. in. Yep. Okay? So that's how you join an MC. Now, if you're interested in hosting a missional community, which we hope that all of you yep. are, it's a really similar process. Can I see that graphic again? Um, you simply go to our website. There on the right, you click host a missional community. It'll take you to the video series. You watch the videos just like everybody else, and then after you make your way through the videos, you'll fill out an online form that lays out kind of the guidelines of what it means to host, and you agree to that. And then as pastors, we'll follow up with you about getting your missional community uh, online on the website uh, and, and open and available for people to sign up for your group. And let me just say this. The best way to get in a missional community in one of these new MCs is to host your own missional community. You guys tracking with me? Like, and, and we believe God wants to raise up more hosts. And that's yeah. not like spiritual manipulation. Of course he does. The, 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 the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Like he's already told us, like I need more people raising their hands and saying, I'll create a space in which God can act. I'll create a space for people to come together and disciple one another and where we can all pull the rope together. Like we need hosts. So the question that, um, that we want to invite you to consider is like, why not me? Why would I not host? What is keeping me from hosting, especially now that we're removing like all the expectations of you've got to pastor uh, a small country church on your volunteer time? <laughs> like we're not asking you to do that anymore. So like, why not host? And, we, and, and our prayer is that you would, you would seriously consider that in this next month of October. So that gives you a timeline that gives you some practical steps for how to get in and how to host an MC. Now, let me just say this, and I'm, I'll pass it back over to, to Jared. But, um, you know, we realize, like, as you hear this, there's a lot, of, we have a, a lot of you have a lot of feelings around this. We know that because we're humans and our heart works, and we have lots of feelings around this. And I realize that as some of you hear this, you might be experiencing some fear, uh, some, maybe even some hurt, some anger, some frustration. I know if you're like me, for many of you, change in and of itself can be a trigger. And so there might be some anxiety around this. And some of you might be afraid that people are going to be left out or overlooked or they're going to fall between the cracks. They're going to get lost in transition. And if we're all honest, probably somewhere deep down in there, we're all afraid that might happen to us. And I know that like some of you might even be afraid that like this is little cliques are going to form. And this is going to be the high school cafeteria all over again. And I don't know which table to sit at because I don't know if any table wants me. Mm. And man, let, let me just please hear me say it. Please, I'm speaking on behalf of all of our pastors and, and the heart of the Father. We will not let that happen. Mm. Nobody who wants to run after being a resilient disciple and who wants to be in a missional community will not find themselves in a missional community. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody will be, yeah, clap for that, absolutely. Nobody will be told they can't be welcomed into a group because they don't fit in with that friend group or like, or for whatever reason, like, um, we're a family, not a high school cafeteria, Uh all right? And and that culture doesn't exist in our church um, because that culture doesn't exist in the kingdom of God and in the family of God. So I just want you to hear us say we are absolutely committed to your spiritual formation. Like, that's, that's the whole reason that we're doing this. And, and our commitment to you is not only like to, help, to make sure that you get in a group if you want to be in a group and you want to be a resilient disciple, our commitment also is just to navigate these changes with you. So if you want to meet with us and you want to talk about your feelings and you want to talk about the narratives running through your mind and you want to process all that and you want to pray through that, we're, we're committed to being more available in this next season than ever before. So like text us, call us. Email us, just grab us on a Sunday, stop by the office, we can schedule a lunch, we can schedule a coffee, we can just schedule a hangout here. We would love to make ourselves available, listen to me, to, to just walk with you, to, to love on you, to process with you, and, and really to help you and serve you any way that we can in this season. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So listen, I know we're over our time, hang with me just a few more moments. Um, all that to say, take a deep breath, you know what this is? This whole thing... It's an experiment in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, and what I mean by that is that we're absolutely convinced this is what Jesus is calling us to. Um, we don't know, we don't see the end future. I, I, we, we, don't, we can't guarantee it's all going to go smooth. We can't guarantee that we're going to get into this three or four months. There's not things we're not going to need a tweak. And so, right, it's an experiment in the name of Jesus. And so what I'm going to ask from you as, as pastors or as members, as us, is one, would you please show us grace in this season? Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, we are, yeah. are imperfect pastors who make mistakes, and we don't always get it right. But what I can promise you is this, we will always go to the Word of God and let it direct us. Mm-hmm. And so if there's anything that you see that we miss, just show us some grace and help us to, to see those things. We'll make whatever tweaks you need to make. Secondly, I would say, would you please assume the best about us as your pastors? If you can't trust us as your pastors, then definitely need to find a place where you can trust the pastors. I promise you guys, listen, this is not a church growth strategy. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not do nobody would tell us to do this in order to grow our church big. Mm-hmm. Um, when we planted this church eight years ago, my first child was born. And just as I want to see her grow and mature every year, I want to see the same thing happen in this church. Mm-hmm. And so this is not about growing our church. It's about growing you mm-hmm. as a resilient disciple of Jesus. This is our best attempt, the best shot at doing that. So please don't tell yourself a story of, oh, there must be some other agenda going on. Like, that's what this is oh, yeah. about. That said, and this is the way I want to land the plane. I want to land the plane with a story. A couple weeks ago, I began building a greenhouse in my backyard. It's 12 by 12, Okay. Uh, Robert and Adam came over and helped with it one day. Randy came over and helped a couple days, smoked a couple cigarettes, worked, smoked some cigarettes, worked. Um, and so it's awesome. And so um, after uh, about a week, the instruction said it was a half a day job with two people. It was more like a, a week with a bunch of people. But um, we eventually finished the greenhouse. I think we've got a picture of it. There it is. And my daughter in the middle, which, by the way, she lured me into sleeping in that thing Friday night which I still have not recovered from. And so, but I slept in there with my daughter on Friday night. Um, But here's the thing. Just leave that on the screen. Before I could put that greenhouse there, I actually had to remove a part of my kid's playhouse. Okay? And so there was a part of it. We didn't use it anymore, but it was right there in the way, and I had to remove it. When I was going to take it down and remove it, my wife came out, and she was all teary-eyed, and she was like, oh. This is so sad because like it's, it had like little baby swings on it. You know, like you push your kids in when they're babies. They're not babies anymore, so they can't use it. But she's like, even though he can't use it, it's so sad to me to know that this thing meant so much to us that this part of it is, is going away. And, and I'll be honest, I was a little sad too. Um, it didn't keep me from getting a chainsaw and cutting it down and, <laughs> and removing it. But um, it was a little sad, right? But here's the thing. We had to remove that in order to put the greenhouse there. And, and, and I guess it was Saturday before last. I was out there just trying to finish some things up. And I felt like God say something to me that is for us. And as I was sitting in the greenhouse, I really felt God speak to my heart and say, this is what I'm doing in the Crossing Church. Mm-hmm. In that I am removing not an, not an entire structure, 
but a part of a structure that no longer serves a purpose that it used to serve. Um, so that we can build a whole new structure that, like a greenhouse, will be a place where people can grow even in the midst of the harsh environment that is around us. And I think that's so important that we get this morning because, listen, at the end of the day, building a new MC structure is not the point. The point is not the structure. Mm -hmm. The point of building this structure is that we want to create an environment where things can grow in here that can't grow out there. That's right. And then we want to be able to transplant those things into the mission field so that we will bear a fruit that allows others to taste and see that God really is as good as he says. That's right. And so to end the day, here's just a passage of scripture. I'll read this and we'll be done. I really believe this is a word for our church in this season. This comes from Isaiah 43, 18. God says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Mm. Guys, the truth is, whether you wanted it to be true or not, the world has changed since we planted this church in 2012. That's right. And my hope is that we will never become a church that says, well, we just need to keep doing it that way because that's always the way we've done it in the past. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with hanging on to memories from the past. You just can't live there. Because when you live there and you cling to old things, you always miss out on the new thing God's wanting to do right here in this season. Mm -hmm. And so if I can encourage you with anything as we end today, I want to encourage you with this. Things in this church and in this world will continue to change. But God always remains the same. Yes, he does. And what I have found in my short years that I followed Jesus is though God is never predictable, or often he's not predictable, mm-hmm. He is still always faithful. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage you as we end, trust God yes. in this season. Yeah. Root yourself in Jesus. And even if it doesn't make sense, even if sometimes it's uncomfortable, even if sometimes it's not your preference, know that even though there are seasons that it will feel like a death, what we see is in the end, if you'll be willing to die to yourself, it will lead to a life. And you will grow and you will flourish and you will produce a fruit that is more beautiful and abundant than you can imagine. Amen. Amen.